if you're passionate about something and you have a lot of knowledge about that and you can create compelling, interesting content, then people will find you. Hey, what's going on, guys? Tuning into the podcast a bit early. Uh, I'm very excited about today's show, and I can't wait to share the special guest that I have with you all today. Uh, at the age of 21, man, he was a self-made millionaire. He owned over $2.4 million in real estate and was taken over the industry by storm. But then three years later, he lost it all. And yet, he was able to make it all back and went on to capture and control the largest social media accounts and influencers online. He is profiled as the largest independent social media publisher with over 35 million real engaged followers from Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook across some of the largest verticals in the world. I mean, he's worked with many, many brands and regional national platforms like First Form, Postmates, Fashion Nova, Boohoo, Lyft, Fit Tea, and many more. And I cannot wait to dive into this episode. We talk a little bit about his backstory. We talk a little bit about how he got started, what actually motivated him to get going within the industry of social media, becoming an entrepreneur, and what it takes to be successful online, right? How to grow your brand, how to really connect with those high-end class celebrities and influencers to gain the attention that you deserve and that sponsorship type of deal. So with that being said, it's time to level up. So let's get it. Are you ready? Level Up Daily, the hottest podcast for self-growth with interviews from the hottest celebrities. Told her to level me up, told her to level me up, yeah. Now, your host, DeAndre Evans. Told her to level me up, told her to level me up, yeah. It's time to level up. Now level up. Yo, what's up, ladies and G's? Welcome back to the Level Up Daily Podcast. I'm your host, DeAndre Evans, and today I have a very special guest for you all. At the age of 21, he was a self-made millionaire. He owned over $2.4 million in real estate and was taken over the industry by storm. But then, three years later, he lost it all. And yet, he made it all back and went to capture and control the largest social media accounts and influencers online. He was labeled by Forbes as the number one social media influencer in the world as he is the pioneer of all influencers. He is profiled as the largest independent social media publisher with over 35 million real engaged followers from Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook across some of the largest verticals in the world. He is a content engagement and branding master who helps individuals and brands maximize their online presence and brand equity. Whenever you see a celebrity using or endorsing a product on social media, him and his company are the ones who put that deal together. The co-author of How to Set Up Your Business for Under $1,000, He is an investor and an advertiser when it comes to several high-end businesses from regional, national, and global brands such as First Form, Postmates, Fashion Nova, Boohoo, Lyft, Fit T, and many more. With some of the world's most influential pieces of digital real estate in his possession, he is the influencer of influencers. I have none other than the man himself, Brandon Hampton. What's up, B? How you doing, man? What's going on? That was a a really, really good bio. It sounds like you pulled from like four podcasts that I've done and like mm. my LinkedIn and my, my Instagram bio, that was a good consolidated piece. Yeah, man. You know, you got to do the research <laughs> when you bring somebody like you on. <laughs> you I gotta, appreciate it. Yeah, definitely, man. It's an honor to have you on the show. I'm definitely excited to have you. Uh, I, I know that you just recently came back from vacation, right? Yeah. So uh, first in a very long time, we mm. have been wanting to travel internationally for quite some time. And I always, you know, kind of was sketched out, probably unmerited. Uh, but I was just always, you know, probably, probably really, it was just an excuse to keep working and not go on vacation. So we finally buckled down. One of my buddies was like, Hey, I'm going to Thailand. I already booked. And then my wife was like, we're going with you. And <laughs> she really pushed it over the line. And then yeah. um, we, we ended up going, yeah, so we were in Thailand for 10 days. Nice, nice. How was the experience out there? Oh, I mean, it was unreal. I mean, the pictures don't do it any justice. Yeah. Uh, we, we got to, you know, stay in a couple amazing resorts. We got to go out and do a bunch of different experiences, everything from, you know, boat tours of like these beautiful islands. We mm. got to go to an elephant rescue home. We got nice. to go dike uh, up almost a, a mile into this dark cave and do this crazy tour. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was an amazing experience. Nice, man. I'm so, so happy for you. I'm glad to hear that. I definitely got to get out there myself and uh, experience that, too. I was like, hmm, that might be on the bucket list there. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I mean, everything, the, the thing is, is, 
you know, I've been saying for a long time, I wanted to go there and I wanted to go other places. And I still make the same mistake sometimes. It's like saying it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It's what plan of action do you put together? Like if my friend didn't book his trip and say, I'm going on these dates. And then my wife to follow up did not say, we're also going find a hotel, find the flights. Mm -hmm. I would have said, yeah, we would love to go too. And then a week before he leaves, I would be like, ah, I didn't book in time. Maybe next time. (laughs) It's happened before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's really just putting a plan into place. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That always happens, especially amongst, you know, friends and family. Like, yo, you going? Like, yeah, I'm going. And then like a week later, a couple of days later, I'm like, yeah, I can't make it. <laughs> I'm, da- I'm down doesn't cut it. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, well, I know that this podcast is obviously like Thailand, but, you know, we're glad to have you on the show, man. I'm definitely excited to have you on. And uh, usually I like to open up the floor a little bit to our special guests, to, you know, have the audience dig in a little bit more and find out more about you. But you know, since it's Tuesday, let's do, uh, what, what is it called? Transformation Tuesday? Is that like a hashtag now? Yeah, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can, we can do like a Transformation Tuesday. So let's, let's start back from the very beginning. Like, you know, tell us a bit about yourself, your backstory, and how you got started into the business world. Yeah, so I remember being younger, and I, I knew two things. I knew that I was different, and I knew that I would respect the rules, but I wouldn't always follow them. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, I didn't mean any malice and there was no like ill intent when I say that I'm not going to follow the rules. It, it's just, it, it felt like things were negotiable and things were bendable and there was exceptions. And I wanted to figure out how far I could push those boundaries within reason. Mm-hmm. And when I say that I knew I was special, I mean, I could sit in class, I could bullshit the entire class. Yeah. Listen with one ear, mm-hmm. n- never, never actually pay attention and still be able to figure the workout, still be able to get good grades and, and stuff like that. And, and I didn't really see it as important. I just knew I had to do, to do it. Mm-hmm. But it started off at a very early age. And then, and then really kind of the, the turning point for me of like, where am I going to find how to harness my special talent was I got my first computer. Nice. So. <laughs> My, my, I lived with my grandparents at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was about 10 or 11. And every, I was always asking them. And, and, and mind you, like, not my parents, my grandparents. So they were, you know, quite a bit older than me. Yeah. And I would always ask, hey, uh, you know, grandma, grandpa, when are you going to this friend's house? And as a kid <laughs> asking, when are you going to this friend's house? They were kind of like, I wonder why he's asking that. Yeah. You know, when, when, is, when is one grandparent going to visit their grandparent friends? And mm-hmm. Um, the, the secret behind that was those people had computers and we didn't yet. <laughs> so I, I just wanted to yeah. go yeah. and I wanted to use it. And this is, this is pre-internet, you know, this is pre, um, mainstream internet anyways, is like nobody had it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I finally convinced them to let me install AOL on one of their friends' computers and we got like the 50 free hours or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the next, you know, kind of negotiation point for me was like, how do I figure out how to get a computer? Mm-hmm. And I convinced them eventually that we needed a computer because it would be good for homework. It would make things easier. <laughs> yeah. It would make things more efficient, which was definitely true. Right. But it was it was very early for it to to people for people to know that it was true. Yeah. So I got a compact computer, and then fast forward, you know, six months. I was taking it apart and I was overclocking it and I was rebuilding it mm-hmm. and I was upgrading it and I would, you know, buy parts online mm-hmm. and I would, I would uh, build a computer from scratch. And like, I just was interested with the technology of it, both on the hardware side and on the software side. Yeah. And I probably spent every waking hour outside of school on the computer. Mm-hmm. I would get out of school at three on, you know, by three twenty, I would be on the computer and probably 3 AM I would turn it off yeah. and I would only take <laughs> breaks to eat, take out the trash and mow the lawn. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it seems like I spent the majority of my childhood on the computer, but you know, it was AOL instant messenger. It was mm-hmm. ICQ. Mm-hmm. But the reason that this stuff is important is because what it did is just let me harness my skills very early internet. And the, I felt like, I was outplaying everybody mm. and I was winning at the technology game because I spent more time on the computer. Mm-hmm. If you spend more time practicing at something, if you spend more time learning about something, you're just going to be better and you're going to understand things at a higher level. Mm-hmm. So I became the person who, you know, if you needed your computer fixed, 
or your or your printer hooked up yeah. or if you wanted to install internet or even be the one like I was the one who was pitching my friend's parents on them getting internet. <laughs> nice. Um, so um, I, I learned a lot online and, you know, I even, I even kind of slept a little bit on the dot-com phase, which turned out to be important later. So I would, I would always go to these domain sites, you mm-hmm. know, who is, and I would type in, you know, table.com or, uh, you know, coffee.com. And a lot of these domains, the generic.com was still available, mm. and, but I, but I didn't know what it meant yet. Yeah. I didn't know what it was going to turn into. I was just curious. So I would just sit there all day and type in combinations and things were available. <laughs> so, um, now when it comes to, you know, my schooling and things like that, mm-hmm. I, I finished high school. I applied to a few different colleges. I got into the ones that I wanted to go to. I was, you know, I, I, th- I thought I wanted to study computer science. I thought I wanted to study engineering. I knew I liked business, but I was more interested in technology. Mm. So I decided to actually, um, get a summer job between high school and college mm-hmm. in, in the, in the summer. So I was like, let me get something for three, four months, make some money before I, I start college. Right, right. And <clears throat> I got a job selling cell phones in the middle of the mall. <laughs> nice. At one of those like kiosk spots. Yep. Nice. At a kiosk in the middle. So I was the one like trying to hand you a flyer, trying to get you to stop. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I didn't realize at that point that my, you know, wanting to break the rules and, and making everything a, a negotiation would start to pay off because I had the gift of being able to talk to people. Mm. And I'm not talking about in a sleazy used car salesman way. Yeah. I just like I just like engaging with people. I like talking to people. I like making jokes about stuff. Mm-hmm. And people were really receptive to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was at uh, it was singular wireless back then mm-hmm. um, before AT&T bought it. So this is an interesting time because nobody had cell phones yet. So mm-hmm. I wasn't stopping people in the mall saying, what kind of phone do you have? You should get one of these. Right. I was saying, do you have a cell phone? Yeah, straight up. <laughs> so, yeah. So I did really well there. Um, I, I ended up breaking a lot of the company's records uh, within the first few months of working there. I became the assistant manager and then the manager all within about six months. Mm-hmm. And um, but but if you, if you do the math, I wanted to work for four months and I made all these progressions in the first six months. And you say, wait, the math doesn't work. What about college? Yeah. Well, I started making so much money in a sales job. And when I say so much money relative being an 18 year old, right. <laughs> uh, fresh out of high school, uh-huh. you know, thinking, okay, I'm going to be an engineer and I'm going to go try to make six figures, mm-hmm. but I have to go to college first. I have to do this first and I have to do that first. Then you get this crazy shock where the very first month you ever work a sales job, you make five grand. Mm-hmm. And then the next month when you're working a sales job, you make six grand. And then later I start getting these manager bonuses and stuff like that. Mm. And within six months with no college education, I get a $10,000 check. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. So you want me to go to school <laughs> right, right. <laughs> for four to seven years. Uh-huh. You want me to pay to go to school for that time. Mm-hmm. And then maybe if I'm a good engineer or a good computer scientist, mm-hmm. then I could potentially make what I just made without much effort selling cell phones? I, I don't think so. Right. <laughs> I, and, th- and then I started to think, well, what if I sold something that's bigger or what if I sold something at a higher price point? Mm-hmm. So it just got my brain, you know, kind of spinning. I stayed there for a while. Uh, I ended up being a uh, regional manager when I was 20. So I managed about seven locations in San Francisco market. And then I moved to the LA market. Um, mm-hmm. after, the, after I left there, I went into the real estate space and, and that kind of taps into the intro that you gave. Yeah. I, I bought my house, uh, my first house when I was 21 mm-hmm. and then I bought my eighth house when I was 22. That's so I just got, I, I, I learned how to do it and how to put the deals together and uh, I just started doing it. Yeah. And then, you know, the big crash came in 07, mm-hmm. 08. Mm-hmm. And I lost everything. I went into a depression for a few years. I mean, I would just drink alcohol. I would drink soda. I would eat fast food. And I wouldn't leave my house for the most part. That was like my life for a few years. Yeah. And I got into the lead generation space following that. And it was kind of like 
same thing as a mortgage industry, but I was providing the comp- the customers and selling that information. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started doing a little bit of online marketing. And then around that same time, it was like 2009, uh, you know, I started getting on Twitter and this is kind of like at the, the, not the end, but like almost the end of my depression phase. I just started using social media just to pass time. Mm. And I discovered Twitter and I slowly realized like, Hey, the same way that I wanted to sell more phones or get more loans in real estate than anybody else, I could be competitive and I want to get followers on social media. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so that turned into the game. Yeah, definitely. So before we dive really into that, that spiel, because I know that's going to be the interesting, really interesting part about this. Uh, first off, you was very tech savvy before tech savvy was even a thing <laughs> way back yeah. in the day. Uh, you know, you definitely uh, was excelling ridiculously in sales. Uh, like you say, practice makes perfect. Well, you know, perfect practice definitely makes perfect. And you was definitely uh, running with that, that intuition of really growing and building your brand early age without you even really knowing it, right? Getting your name out there and experience. And you, so you went to school, you figured, hey, you know, this engineering thing possibly, but then you started making money. Now, during a time where it got tough, it got interesting. This is one I want to dive into personally before we dive into, you know, the Twitter feeds and everything like that. Because honestly, I just did a recent interview uh, with David Meltzer, the, the CEO yep. of Sports One, and uh, he stated something similar, right? And I find it interesting that it went down that journey as well. Everyone's motivation is different. But for you, how did you recover during that trial of difficulty? Like, did you meditate, think about mentorship? Because I know you say you just hopped out of bed and you just started doing it. Was it like a constant talk in your mind? What was it? You know, what was that like? Yeah, it was, it was an interesting um, time because it, it's really... Like I had had really good luck and I'll call it luck because I mean, to, to be successful takes the work, but to get lucky, some people just get lucky in certain scenarios, like Mm. by, by, by sometimes not getting unlucky. So the timing of everything that I had done up to that point all made sense. And I, and I, and I took advantage of every opportunity that came and I, you know, I didn't get lucky by selling the most cell phones like that took the skill that I had but I got lucky Mm -hmm. by getting into cell phones at the right time when nobody had them yet Mm. now what what ended up happening when I when I just I feel like I had the rug pulled from under me right so Mm. I had I had this success I had you know I had a really good credit score and I had credit lines that I built up because I felt I could leverage that Mm -hmm. and I was out getting approved for these different homes and then it got taken away now to be 21, 22, and to have good luck and good timing all your life, mm-hmm. and then e- even though I was working hard and everything else, again, lucky versus unlucky, timing versus bad timing, I, I hadn't had one of these kind of situations yet where I didn't have the upper hand. I didn't have the leverage. I didn't have the capability to overcome it. Mm-hmm. It was like, hey, you bought a house that was $400,000 and now it's worth 200. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't, you know, I can't sell against that. I can't go out and try to sell it for (laughs) 400,000. That's not what the market would take. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I I basically assumed my life was over. It was kind of like my mentality is like, I stayed in bed. I'm like, what am I going to get up for? Like I, I work from zero. I built up to this Mm -hmm. with my credit, with my savings, with the houses that I bought and the, and the customers that I had. And then I built up to this and now it's gone. I got to start over. Yeah. And in my head, I was blowing it out of proportion because in my head, I think, wow, I worked 22 years for this, but I didn't. Yeah. I, actually, I actually only started at 18. I wasn't building any real estate portfolio when I was 17 or 16 or 15 or 14. Like mm-hmm. I only had started in the workforce when I was like 18 and a half. Mm-hmm. So if you look at it, it's only a three and a half year period but I felt like it was my entire life mm-hmm. that I had been working towards what I built and then it was gone. Mm-hmm. Once I, I think, I think there was no particular thing that happened where I just snapped out of it. Yeah. I think it was a slow process, unfortunately, because I didn't like, I've always been very transparent about my feelings and about how I'm, how I'm doing and whatever else. But at this time, it was very foreign. Like if you, if you had depression, people were just like snap out of it mm. or like overcome it. Even, even today, like p- literally in the past 18 months, there has been more progression with mental health than in the past 50 years. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. For, for, for 49 years prior, yeah. it was all, hey, snap out of it, overcome it, smile, get out of the house. Like, it was just this thing people thought you could overcome, but now people realize how serious it is. Mm-hmm. And I think it would have been much different going through it today because with the internet, you have all these people letting you know, I feel that way too. Even my most recent Instagram post, I did one of those. Yeah. And, you know, it got the most engagement out of my last 50 photos. Mm-hmm. So um, what I started doing is I was like, look, I got all these negative habits. I sleep in till noon. Mm-hmm. I drink alcohol twice a day, you know, seven days a week almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, not literally, but figuratively. Like it was, it was almost that. Yeah. Um, I, would, I would order fast food. I would go to the drive-thru, pick something up from Jack in the Box, go home, eat that food. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't cooking. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't have any healthy practices the same way I was sleeping in late. I was staying up late. It was like cops reruns and video games. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's it. And, and I was like, okay, well, if I want to change the way I feel, I got to change the things that I do. I'm just going to start getting up early. Mm-hmm. And, and if I can make that one change, that's all I can do for now. Mm-hmm. And then eventually it was like, I'm going to just start running because I need to get some exercise. My body is out of shape. Like my mind isn't right. And it was just making these slow changes. And when I would get up earlier, I felt more productive that I could actually do work. Mm -hmm. This is when I was selling internet leads and and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, during this time is, is, I mean, lucky for me. and, And I say lucky because I don't know how during that time it happened, but I met my then, um, you know, girlfriend who is now my wife Ah. during this like dark period of time in my life yeah power to the women man power to women (laughs) it's funny because you know she she hasn't been working for several years Mm -hmm. because i asked her i asked her eight years ago to take one year off Mm -hmm. so i could focus on my business and fast forward eight years later um but uh during this time i didn't really have a job i didn't really have a steady source of income Mm -hmm. and that's when i met her Mm. So it's funny because on social media, of course, people are trolls and they're like, oh, you know, she, she's with you for the money. She's a gold digger. She was buying me groceries yeah. when we first met. Wow. It's a funny story. So like I had and, and she didn't really understand it even for for a lot of years of like she was telling me shake it off. She was telling me snap out of it. She was telling me step up and go get a real job. And mm-hmm. she was telling me all these things yeah. that I didn't want to hear and didn't think was helpful because she hadn't experienced anybody doing what I was doing at that time, Mm. which was going through this dark stage in my life where I feel like I'm so capable, but I just can't even get out of bed. Yeah. That's that creative run that a lot of us usually go through, especially creatives, right? You face that, that trial and error type of period. You're like, man, is this worth it? Should I keep going? But then, you know, God works things out, right? And he he brings people into your life that actually expose you to what you need to do. And it's nice that she was there to support you and like, you know, buy the groceries and, you know, even though she was telling you to do X, Y, and Z, she's doing it out of love, right? She's doing it out of care. And, yeah. You know, I mean, she she didn't she didn't know she she uh, you know even even today she'll she'll say like she didn't have an entrepreneur mentality mm-hmm. and she didn't know what uh, you know thinking outside the box in terms of earning a check. She grew up like most people and grew up around most people who just thought you go to a company, you apply, you interview. You get a job, they pay you a certain amount, you, you have certain hours. So even, hey, I'm doing work at 10 p.m. or I'm doing work at 6 a.m. was like, mm-hmm. why don't you just stop? Why don't you just take the time off or you're home? Why can't you do stuff that we're doing around the house? But she was, she was very supportive in her own way, mm-hmm. but she didn't fully understand even me yet at that point. Like we weren't even living together for the first part of our relationship when kind of some of this stuff was going on. Yeah. So she only saw bits and pieces of it. Mm-hmm. So – during that time, so now you're, you're fighting back, right? You're trying to get yourself out this run and you start to progress. You got the support behind you now. Um, what was the, the next step for you to really push yourself to get you out of this situation? I feel like that was a slow progression of just making small changes in my life that allowed me to not feel a certain way. So mm-hmm. I didn't realize back then that alcohol is a depressant. Like if you're feeling like shit, the last thing you should do is have a drink because in the morning, your entire day is going to be ruined virtually because of that drink you had the night before. Yeah. Um, I mean, alcohol in, in general is a bad thing for you, but when you're feeling down and out, it's worse because it magnifies everything, you know, multiples of multiples of multiple times. Mm -hmm. So it was really just getting rid of those things that were, that were holding me down. I was drinking 
a 30 pack of soda every two days. <laughs> yeah. What kind of soda? I mean, what was it? Pepsi. Pepsi. Oh, okay. Pepsi. <laughs> yeah. Don't, uh, so, sorry, Pepsi. I know <laughs> I, I, I sponsorship for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I just did not realize the things that I was doing to myself were making it worse instead of better. I just expected it to get better on its own. And when I realized that I was the only one who could make it better, mm -hmm. it was like this slow culmination of things that I was doing that were more positive than negative. And around that same time, I, I, did, I was doing the internet lead thing at that time. Mm -hmm. I, I, I built up one big client that was like the majority of my business and I focused a lot of effort on this client. And I went from zero and I started making really good money and big checks every week from this client. And I eventually, I'll give you the short version of this because it's not necessarily important. It's just another kind of curveball. Yeah, yeah. But I put this client on credit mm -hmm. and they stiffed me for not only the money that I had, but all the money that I didn't have. So I actually ended up with my biggest client putting me in the negative. Mm. But it was easier for me to shake it off this time because I knew like, oh, okay, I've, I've been doing this for six months with this guy. Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was big money though. It was like, you know, he was spending two grand a week with me at first and he was paying every week. And then eventually it was like, Hey, I want to spend five grand a week with you, but I need you to give me credit terms. Mm -hmm. And you know, of course, when he stiffed me, it was 50 or 60 grand. Mm. So Long story short, that, that kind of set me back a little bit again. But then at that point, I was like ready to do it. I was ready to go shake it off. Um, so I, I, that, this leads into where I started using social media. I did not at this point, though, see social media as a job. Mm -hmm. I saw it as I just want more followers than everybody else because <laughs> I'm competitive. Yeah. That was it. I, yeah. Nobody, nobody – Nobody knew you could make money on social media mm -hmm. at this time. It was not a thing. Mm -hmm. People didn't see it that way. People just thought you get on t Twitter, you find your friends, they find you, and that's it. Like nobody had right. 10,000 followers. Right. Like you had celebrities that had, you know, big followings, but mm -hmm. you had brands that had big followings. But this was still – like this was – a few months before Ashton Kutcher and CNN mm -hmm. did the race to a million followers. Yeah. When they did the race to a million, nobody on the entire planet had a million followers on any social media platform. <laughs> That's crazy. So um, I, I got 5,000 followers on my personal page. And then I started to do research. And I'm like, okay, there has to be an easier way. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go out and research all the accounts that are bigger than mine. And I'm going to figure out what are they doing that works? Mm -hmm. What are they doing that doesn't work? So, you know, at this time, you would judge it by how many favorites a tweet would get or how many retweets a favorite or a tweet would get. Yeah. So you could either favorite it or retweet it. So I went out and I was like, okay, well, if somebody favors it, that means it's kind of like a bookmark. Like they're saving it for later so they could read it again. Mm. But if something gets more retweets, that helps you grow your page because they're putting it out to all their followers to see you and giving you this new exposure. Yeah. So I started researching every page that got a lot of retweets. And I was like, okay, I think I cracked the code. I got the formula. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go out and do all these things that get me more retweets. Mm -hmm. And slowly but surely, I built up from 5,000 to 10,000. And then I started finding people with 10,000 followers that I had 10,000 followers. And I was like, hey, why don't you post something online and I'll post something to yours. Mm. I'll give you exposure to my audience and you give me exposure to yours. And they're like, oh, that would be amazing. Uh -huh. So I, I kind of parlayed my way up. Uh, it took about a year. Yeah. And I got to 100,000 followers. Nice. And at this time, uh, what I always do for perspective is uh, Kendall Jenner, who now has, I don't know how many, 50 million on Twitter. Yeah, a lot. When I had, <laughs> had 100,000, she had 400,000. Wow. <laughs> very, very, very early in the game. Exactly. Then what I started to do was I got an advertiser come to me and they said, hey, you have 100,000 followers. We would love to post this on your account. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, yeah, you, you post this image in our website. And we'll give you money. We'll mm -hmm. pay you. And I was like, I didn't really understand it. I was like, why? I didn't. They're like, well, you have, you have a hundred thousand people that follow you. Yeah. We think that with the content you're posting, with this product, would be good for your audience, and uh, we want you to do it. And I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. So I did it, and then I was like, wait a minute, okay. So by the way, I was posting really offensive comedy. <laughs> that was my category. Yeah. <laughs> and and on the really offensive comedy stuff, they came to me with a product. It was a vest that you wear, and it was empty, but you fill it with beer. Uh, uh -oh. And then you wear a helmet, yeah. and then the helmet has like a straw, 
and then you drink the beer from the vest out of that. It was like a like a frat boy, you know, kind of product. Oh, I'll see no. So yeah. I was like, <laughs> so if I'm a frat boy, you know, content poster, mm-hmm. they're giving me a frat boy product. Well, where where are the bigger products? Where are the bigger brands? Where are the bigger advertisers going to be at? Mm. And I started doing research, and I was like, okay, I found out where the money is. It's women, mm-hmm. and it's online shopping. And it's health and fitness. It's beauty. This is where people are spending the money. So I got to reverse engineer this. And I got to go build pages about fitness and pages about beauty and pages about shopping so that those advertisers are going to want to post with me on those pages because they'll pay me more money and they're bigger brands. Mm, That's deep. That's deep. I like that. So you basically, yeah, you definitely cracked the code on that early stages without you really even knowing it. Like you, you did it for sport, right? When you first started off, you just wanted the biggest following ever. And you started to attract, you know, these major brands that you being yourself and being transparent, right? Yep. And that's that's amazing to me. So now, because now it's about to get interesting, because I got so many questions when it comes to social media. <laughs> so do it. You know, do it. So you dive into these sponsorships. You know, you're getting all these leads and these brands. What was the next step? Like, how did you figure out how to monetize it though? Like, fully go on on scale because you know back then it wasn't a thing called like influencers. They were just they were just people, right? Right. So you know. How, how did that occur? Like, how did you take advantage of that? And how did you really like engage and figure out how to connect with those online shoppers, those in the beauty industry, those in the fitness field? Yeah. So uh, um, it's funny because even still today, which, you know, is 11 years later, yeah. the brands don't really know how to do influencers. They don't really know how to do online and digital. Mm-hmm. But back then it was only a handful of companies that were even trying it mm-hmm. and they were first to market. Like I remember the first big paid post that I ever saw anybody do mm-hmm. was Kim Kardashian did a post for Carl's Jr. Mm-hmm. for one. She was like, this is my favorite salad at Carl's Jr. And she posted a picture of her salad and that was like a paid post. Mm-hmm. And I remember because it was on this influencer platform called Isaiah and it had everybody's rate publicly. Like you could just sign up and say, oh, I have 100,000 followers. I charge 100 bucks for, for a post. Mm-hmm. And Kim Kardashian was the most expensive one on the platform. And she was getting $10,000 for a post. So what I did was I was like, okay, I'm just going to go out and build these followers mm-hmm. uh, on, in these different categories. And I kind of treated it like a magazine. Mm-hmm. I was like, if a, if a 17-year-old girl reads Cosmo magazine mm-hmm. and they talk about things that 17-year-old girls like, then advertisers will see, oh, well, if we have this, this fashion brand or this makeup company, we're going to want to talk to 17-year-old girls. Then I, So I started to treat my, my – content on my different feeds like Mm -hmm. an online publication Mm -hmm. and and there was no like there was no way that was specific that i got it there was just a few sites isaiah was one Mm -hmm. my likes was one where there were like these dashboards these hubs where they would go out and talk to the advertisers and then they would get them and say hey we work with a lot of influencers we want to uh, you know, we want to put your campaign up on our site. So I would go to these different sites that were running campaigns like Chobani Yogurt was like a very early internet uh, advertiser. Mm-hmm. And this was 11 years ago. Nobody was doing it. It was like Chobani Yogurt and, you know, a handful of other companies that, that would even try it. Mm-hmm. Along the way, what I started doing as well is I started building relationships with other influencers as they would pop up. Mm-hmm. And, and what's really cool and which, which has kind of helped me um, even, even to date is I was first to market on the social media influencer side. Mm-hmm. So building relationships for me because like here's the thing. Yeah. Everybody knows that I was the first to do this. Yeah. But that doesn't mean anything if I was shady, if I'm just out to make a quick buck. Mm-hmm. So what started happening is I, I not only have this reputation for being the first to market, so people would come to me for advice, but I was also helping people without asking for anything in return. Mm-hmm. So I would say, oh, I'll give you advice on this, or don't do that with the brand. Or if I was talking to the brand, I'll be like, hey, go do this. It's smarter to do it this way with the influencer, and you guys both win. Almost like I was doing this like matchmaking, but I wasn't making anything on it. I was just helping other people and giving them advice. Yeah. And I never screwed anybody over. I would always pay people that needed to be paid. Mm. I would always ask to be paid when it was time to be paid and be expected to be paid. Mm. So I kind of floated through all the years and, and it was very uneventful in a way that I never really tried to rock the boat and go do anything wild 
so all these people who knew that I was first to market felt they could always come to me Mm -hmm. and it would be a comfortable situation where I'm not going to try to screw them over. I'm not going to try to sign them to these weird contractual terms. I'm not going to try to take a piece of the action where I don't deserve a piece of the action. Right. So it lent me a lot of credibility to be able to go out and just help everybody. Mm. So now I have a social media agency Mm -hmm. where we work with the brands on one side, we work with the talent on the other side. And I, and I feel and I hope that everybody has the same opinion about my agency that they did for me 10, 11 years ago when I was just giving advice is that they can come to me for advice. I'm not going to ask them for anything in return yeah. and that we're going to fight for the brand and we're going to fight for the talent to get them the best deal. And that's really at the core of what we do. We're relationship driven and that's it. Nice, nice. So basically, like you, you are very self-aware in the early age. It's like you knew what was going on. You was paying attention to trends. You noticed, you know, what was hitting, what wasn't, and you started taking advantage of the opportunity and people started to come into you for advice. Now, did you seek that out, you know, intentionally? Like, yo, I want people to really come to me. Would you, was that like a part of the true game plan or did it just happen by itself? And along with that, just to do a two-piece question, like for those who are listening, who really want to know how to grow their brands and become like an influencer, like how can someone become an influencer and attract those type of celebrities and high-end brands to their business? Sure. So first part of the question mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't really have any intent to, you know, because I kind of see myself now as <clears throat> I, I put my personal brand on hold for a very long time. Yeah. Like I started out with my personal brand and I'm working on my personal brand now. Mm-hmm. But in between, there's a lot of gray space. And I was mostly focused on the generic kind of accounts where they were had they, they had themes, mm-hmm. fitness, cannabis, yeah. um, all these different categories. But when I was working with the influencers, I, I was just really, I would either reach out to them and just build a relationship and say, hey, here's what I'm up to. If there's any way we could work together, let me know. If there's anything that you need, let me know. If I can help in any way, let me know. But it was more just making people aware that I existed and say, hey, I've been doing this for a long time. I see you got a million you know, Vine followers or 100,000 YouTube subscribers. If I can ever help you, let me know. I didn't really... I, I, like intend to build a Rolodex, Mm -hmm. but I guess it kind of attracted that type of attention because people are like, Oh, okay. Like it's a, it's a resource and somebody who's not like trying to sign me or manage me or take a piece of the action. It's just somebody who they could come to. That's also in the space who's been doing it longer. And you know, when, when it comes to people building their personal brand, it always just comes down to content. Mm -hmm. Like if you, are passionate about something and it doesn't matter what something is. It could be comic books. It could be fixing cars. It could be fashion. It could be coffee. It could be literally anything. Mm -hmm. If you're passionate about something and you have a lot of knowledge about that and you can create compelling, interesting content, then people will find you. Now, over the years, there's been a lot of people and I've seen them all and I've met them all and I've talked to them all. Yeah. people have garnered very large followings and you know, there's people with 10 million followers and there's people with 20 million followers. But here's the crazy thing is that they come in all different shapes and sizes right. and, and they come in with different knowledge and different expertise and different goals. I know people with 20 million followers that won't get out of bed in the morning early to do a deal. But then I know people with 200,000 followers that make more money than people with 20 million because they hustle. Mm. So what one thing that the one thing that I, I was confused about for a very long time, and I just, you know, I, re, I realized this in the past 24 months, probably mm-hmm. at some point, just because someone is an influencer and has followings doesn't mean they're an entrepreneur. There are such things as minimum wage influencers. Having a big following does not mean you're a business owner, the business operator or an entrepreneur. It just means that you have a large following. Right. So if, if you want to build your personal brand, what you really have to do is you have to button down and you have to say, who am I? What do I do? What do I want people to know me for? And then you have to try to take that to the next level, uh, at least one level deeper, more if possible. And what I mean by that is don't be a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. Be a personal trainer for mothers. Mm. Be a personal trainer for people who are two times their expected body weight or more. Be a personal trainer to CEOs. Be a personal trainer to families. Like 
the the thing is is that if you really want to stand out if you think about anybody on this planet that's successful and has a name brand mm-hmm. if they wa- if they were sitting next to you and and you were going to introduce them to somebody how would you introduce that person to somebody you would come up with one line that's very captivating you would come up with like their their biggest accomplishment or their bullet point yeah and 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 you would put that front and center so reverse it now and you say okay what is your bullet point what is your introduction how do people introduce you to other people and if that's not a fancy line that catches attention mm-hmm. if that's not impressive then how do you expect to build a following how do you expect to have a personal brand outside of social media if the way people introduce you is not captivating mm. well it's either it's either a they're bad at introductions or b which is more likely is that you haven't done anything to carve out who you are that makes you special and makes you stand out mm. and that's imperative I, and i and i definitely agree with all of that 100% i hope those who are tuning in are actually listening and taking down notes because he just dropped like mad jewels within like 2 to 3 minutes right there um yeah and and and, and i'll say it again in a little bit of a different way like yeah. Think about, think about last time you were with somebody mm-hmm. and they introduced you. How did they introduce you? What did they say? Not how do you introduce yourself? Not, hey, you know, it's, it's me, Brandon, and this is what I do. I want to listen to how my business partner pitches me to somebody else or how my friend introduces me to somebody else. And if, I, and if that's not impressive mm-hmm. to me, it's definitely not going to be impressive to them. Right. When I, when I go somewhere with my business partner, and I'm the one introducing him. I say, this is Dan Fleshman. Uh, he was the youngest founder and CEO of a publicly traded company. So out of all the companies that have ever went public on the stock market, yeah. he was the youngest one to ever do it. Mm. That's, his, that's, that's how I introduce him. I, now, he's my business partner. So I say, I say, this is my partner, Dan. And some people know him already. But if I'm pitching him to somebody that doesn't know him, that's the pitch. Right. You don't want to say, this is Bob, the personal trainer. You don't want to be like, oh, this is DeAndre. He has a podcast. Like, he has the this ranked podcast. He's interviewed this person. This is his other accomplishment outside. Like, you want to give this very captivating pitch. It's like condensing a movie into a movie trailer. You're convincing mm-hmm. your capabilities and who you are into this two line pitch. It's like that's why I think Instagram bios are very important because if you don't catch their attention on the bio in the first three photos you're going to lose them. And if you can't capture a new follower within that top above the fold piece of content, mm-hmm. you're never going to ever win at this game because you're not selling it. And you're, all you're doing is selling yourself short. Absolutely. So you have to come up with a captivating way to introduce yourself. And then you have to own that. Absolutely. So I know you, you dived into, you know, Instagram. I definitely want to touch on that too. Cause you, you touch upon, you know, many different platforms from Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and many others. Like what's the most, underused tools when it comes to social media that people should be using to build their brands because i see a lot of people you know just trying different things but i think they might be missing the key component to really that can capitalize their brand and and launch them off to you know whatever they desire so one thing that i'll say is i've tried a lot of tools Mm -hmm. i've tried a lot of software i've tried a lot of apps that do other stuff just because i'm in the space i gotta try these i gotta let people know what works what doesn't work right what has worked for me and most of the people that I know are very successful on social media mm-hmm. is two things. Number one, mm-hmm. creating good content. Like I'll give you an example. Like, have you seen, uh, have you seen this guy, the real Tarzan? Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. So Mike literally was in my office. I'll say six months ago, mm-hmm. sitting on our couch. He had 400,000 followers. Mm. How many does he have now? Like 4 million. Yeah. That was less, six months ago. Why? Authentic dude who carved out his niche. He's telling people how to refer to him and he's building great content by doing something unique. He is not blown up because Diddy posted him. He's not blown up because Will Smith posted him. Will Smith posted him because he's blowing up. Diddy posted him because he's blowing up. Mm -hmm. He calls himself the real Tarzan. Mm -hmm. So now you don't have to, that's his pitch. Yeah. The, the unique pitch. You think the real Tarzan, what? Like, exactly. I'm gonna drop, I'm gonna drop whatever I'm doing and I'm gonna go look at this guy's shit because I wanna see like is there is he is he like swinging from you trees? Know, fighting yeah, tigers, right, right. swinging from trees. What is he doing? Yeah. So he tell he he tells you in his Instagram username how to refer to him. All of his photos are high quality, mm-hmm. all of his videos have in sync music, 
It's filmed in HD. It's put together really well. Mm-hmm. He posts frequently. So he doesn't like do a badass post and then go missing for two weeks. Mm-hmm. So he follows all of the rules that you're supposed to around creating good content. He didn't pay anybody to post him. Mm-hmm. He didn't go out of his way to say, oh, I'm using, oh, what do you owe your success to, Mike? Oh, well, I don't know. I take okay photos and I, you know, do a little shit with animals. But guess what? Like, that's not what it was. Yeah. He put content first. He carved out, a, he, he's not competing. If you're a personal trainer, you're competing against a million other personal trainers. How many people are going out and doing badass stuff with exotic animals? He, not too many, yeah. Like, <laughs> he, 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 carved out his, he carved out who he was. So the, the point of that is I have always seen the people that have the biggest success. I'm not just talking about like getting 10,000, getting 50,000, getting 100,000 followers. I'm talking about whether they have 10,000 followers and they're all real and passionate and engaged, or whether they have 10 million followers that are all real passionate and engaged, the people who put out good content always win. Now, if you want to know what can I do outside of that, Mm -hmm. what can I do besides good content and good positioning, Mm -hmm. go out and find people and engage with them if they could potentially be a follower of yours. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is like, let's say that you are you want to be an influencer in the animal space with cats. Yeah. Let's say you're a cats person. Mm-hmm. So go out and, and search for all of the popular hashtags about cats. Mm-hmm. It could be kitty, this and that. It could be cat, whatever. Like go find those people, go like their photos, go comment on their photos, but be authentic. Hey, this, you know, this is amazing. I have the same type of cat. What's your cat's name? How old is your cat? Asking that question, I assure you, in, and, and that version of the question in your category will earn you followers, will earn you likes, will earn you engagements on any platform. Mm-hmm. If you go and you're in the, if you collect comic books and you have a bunch of rare comic books and you go find other people that collect comic books on Twitter by using the search feature and you say, someone says, oh, I wish I had Superman v- volume one. Yeah. And you tweet out to that person and, and you take a picture of yourself holding Superman comic book one. You could say, I have it. Sorry, not for sale. LOL. That person will follow you 100% of the time. Mm. It's really going out and not relying on people to find you. Yeah. It's going out and, and also helping them find you by finding them. It's like a business that opens its doors and they have the most badass furniture and they have music popping and whatever it is. It's a restaurant and they have the most amazing food, but they didn't make any business cards. They didn't put up any billboards. They haven't done any radio ads and they don't have social media. And they're just like, we have really, really, really good food. People will find us. No, they won't. Yeah. <laughs> no, they won't. Yeah. You have a closing. The only next social media site you'll be using. If you think that is you'll be using Craigslist to list all the furniture and all the music and all the other shit that you just bought for your kitchen equipment and whatever else. That's all, that's all getting liquidated if that's your mentality. Right. Got you, got you. So, yeah, so I hope everyone's listening is definitely taking note again because, you know, it's basically being active in your community is what I got, you know, so far from what you're telling is being active, you know, finding out what you're good at and taking action and it's being consistent with it because uh, I know a lot of people tend to, you know, struggle when it comes to marketing and branding as a whole and it becomes very difficult, so they quit. They don't want to do it. You know, they try to, you know, find shortcuts and whatnot, but... Uh, it's a grind. Yeah. It's a grind. Think about, think about any category at all. Like, look at, the, okay, p- let's, let's give two random examples. Mm-hmm. The most successful realtor, no matter where you live in your town, mm-hmm. is on every billboard. He's at every community event. She's at every mixer or main restaurant. She knows all the best people. Like, there is a pattern with every real estate agent that is successful, man or woman, in every town is that you always see them everywhere. They're on the bus stops. They're at the community events. They're speaking on stage with the mayor. Like mm-hmm. they put themselves in the right places to meet the right people and they make themselves visible. Right. Think about last time you went to the gym. If you go every day, great. If you went one time six months ago and one time yesterday, think about this, especially in that case. When you went six months ago, what person did you see there? And when you went yesterday, what person did you see there? I guarantee you they're the one of the most fit people in the entire gym mm. because they're always there. Right. Going on social media, going to the gym once and saying, I lifted weights today is not going to make you the most fit person. It's going every day and practicing everything around health and fitness. If you go to the gym 
once and then you eat right once, that doesn't do it. So why would going out and spending one day grinding on social media doing it or why doesn't having one nice photo or one nice video on your page cut it because it's like going to the gym once Mm -hmm. and eating right once. Mm -hmm. So being consistent, like constantly, you know, going at it, being relentless and not giving up. Exactly. So when it comes to posting, though, and I know I don't really have you long, I want to be, you know, courteous of your time here to dive into a few things, but. When it comes to posting, how often should people be posting across various platforms, whether it's per day, per hour? Like, should they be using hashtags, you know? So I think it's effective if you're just starting and you want to get into a habit. The same way that you would schedule out any other thing that you wanted to make important in your life, you can create a content schedule. Mm -hmm. If you can can go out and you can post to start out one time a day on Instagram. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and here's the thing, too. Think about this. Like, it, Instagram and Facebook and t- Snapchat and, and Twitter, all of these platforms love their platform and they love their features. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if Instagram Stories is available to you, if you use it, Instagram will give you brownie points. Mm-hmm. If you have Instagram Live capabilities, use it because Instagram will give you brownie points. If I only post on my feed and you post on your feed and your story and your live, Instagram will give you better reach in the algorithm because you're implementing the features that they're so proud of. Mm. Now, I would recommend posting once a day on Instagram. Now, if that's overwhelming, start with every other day, but don't let it go beyond that. Mm-hmm. Start with every other day. And, and then what you could do is when I say make a content calendar, I say, okay, today's Tuesday. Well, on Wednesday, Let's see, what am I going to be doing tomorrow? I know I'm going to this meeting and I'm going to go to Santa Monica. Oh, what's in Santa Monica? They have the Santa Monica Pier. There's the beach, whatever. Okay, cool. I'm going to try to get a good beach photo on Wednesday and I'm going to write that down for Wednesday. Mm. And Thursday, I'm busy. Okay, I haven't made this a top priority yet, but I want to get a, build a better habit. Friday, what am I doing? Oh, I'm going to be playing basketball with my friends. So, okay, cool. We're going to take a funny basketball picture and I'm going to post that on Friday. Mm-hmm. What am I doing Saturday and Sunday? I don't have any plans. So instead of doing every other day, I'm going to do a picture on Saturday when I go have brunch and then I'm going to go do this on Sunday. That is what really all a content calendar is, is, is holding yourself accountable for a certain post on a certain day, but coming up with the ideas in advance instead of saying, well, I'm in Santa Monica, but I don't really know what to do because I didn't think about it. I'm just going to get home. And then you're going to regret, damn, I was in Santa Monica. It was a nice day. I didn't get a picture. <laughs> right, right. Right? Um, yeah. Instagram stories, use it as much as you can. Use it at least three times a day. Mm-hmm. If it's taking three pictures of your food, great. If it's going and saying, hey, happy you know, Transformation Tuesday. Today I'm doing something different than I did last Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, post at least three times a day on Instagram stories. But if you want to post 30, go ahead. Mm-hmm. As long as it's good content, post as much as you want on Instagram stories. You should go live on Instagram, 20 minutes a week. Go live, five minutes here, five minutes there. Do a Q&A, talk about something new that you just bought somewhere that you're going. Just use the features. Um, Other platforms, Twitter. I mean, you could use Twitter a thousand times a day and nobody would notice because you can respond to people's tweets. You could put out your own content. Uh, You know, the more you use it, the better, in my opinion, with Twitter. Mm -hmm. With Facebook, you know, you want to be a little bit more practical the same way you would with Instagram. Snapchat, you can use as much as you want. Same thing like Instagram stories. Uh, Pinterest, depending on what type of business you're in. Mm -hmm. If you're in a visual business, like you're a home decorator, you better be posting on Pinterest because that's where the women are. And women (laughs) make decisions when it comes to decorating. They want to see it. They don't want to hear about it. You can't say, I just decorated this nice room on Twitter. You got to show a picture on Pinterest. Mm. Got you. Got you. So I hope, again, everyone's listening. You listen, just take these notes, <laughs> take these actionable steps and apply it, man. Uh, Mr. Hampton is definitely dropping some straight jewels here and uh, is very informative as well as far as what you need to do and be strategic in your planning. Have a calendar, date it out, you know, use every single platform to its fullest potential so you can reap the rewards of what it actually offers. And I hope everyone is tuning into that. And like I said, I don't want to keep you long because I know you got other stuff to do for sure. But um, just to end things, I'll probably ask another two or three questions here. I know that you recently or actually do work with a lot of celebrities and influencers, right? Now, Uh going about that, you know, you got this platform called Elevator Studio. Now, is that something that is only for those type of individuals or can anyone benefit from it? How can they go about it? And how can they, you know, use your services they seek to reach out and ask for your help? 
Sure. So I'll tell you this. The biggest ripoff on the entire planet is uh, is being able to reach me on Instagram. And what I mean by that is I, I'm, I'm ripping myself off because I like doing it and I enjoy doing it. Um, how, I mean, you can tell everybody from experience. How did you reach me? How am I on this podcast? Exactly. So basically, <laughs> I just, you sent me a DM. Exactly. Just hit him up in the DM. Say, yo, uh, love your platform, love your brand, love to work with you. Let's, let's make it happen. If someone approaches me with a question yeah. or with a request, and, and it's reasonable, it's not cash at me, go fund me, all that bullshit. Mm-hmm. But if it's, hey, I have a podcast, boom, I would love to be on the podcast. I'll make time for it. Let's figure it out. I think we scheduled it within a week of you hitting me up. Yeah. And here we are. Um, that that's when I say the biggest ripoff. I mean the biggest steal is is I, I charge my clients for consulting. But when it's just people hitting me up that genuinely want help and they have a legitimate question, hit me up on Twitter at CEO. Mm-hmm. Hit me up on Instagram at Money. Hit me up on Snapchat at Money. Mm-hmm. I will respond to stuff that is legitimate when I have time. I just go through and I'll do fifty mm-hmm. of them at once. Mm-hmm. I like helping people. I enjoy helping people because I was there once where I had a question and I wanted answers from somebody. Sometimes I got them. Sometimes I didn't. Yeah. As far as my agency goes, I don't. You know, if, if somebody has questions or they want help like that, you know, it's free. You don't need to pay me for that. My agency is for the big clients that um, that have you know like online budgets for marketing and stuff. And I'm not doing that for individuals, but I'm helping individuals for free who just have questions and have stuff. Like I don't, I don't need to be paid for that. That's just my way of helping people in, who are probably in a spot that I was once in. Mm-hmm. Um, my agency, you know, we work with uh, influencers. We work with uh, celebrities. We work with brands. But we're running campaigns on social media um, we're creating content, we're doing live events. You know, those are things that I, I definitely recommend as well is like, if people follow my social, stay tuned for like all of the events that we post about, because those are full of all of our best people in business. All of our top influencers attend these events and they spit knowledge out. And it's a really, really, really good learning experience. But the majority of the stuff that I drop, I just, I like to make it available to everybody. Excellent, man. I greatly appreciate it. And again, thank you, you know, for taking time out to do this podcast with me and for us here on the Level of Daily Podcast. Uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of people have found this very valuable. And a lot of people are going to be blowing up your DMs since you said hit you Let's up. Do it. So uh, they're definitely going to be reaching out to you. I'm going to make sure, you know, I have all your information to put it down in the description below. Um, but with that being said, man, like I said, I want to be respectful of your time. I know you got stuff to do. So um, maybe we can get you back on for a part two and a later edition. And See what you got coming up here in the near future. Yeah, let's do it, man. And I appreciate you reaching out to me. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So with that being said, guys, until next time, much love, peace, and blessings. The first question, what's your favorite social media platform to use? I, like everybody else, am hooked on Instagram. <laughs> I just can't, I can't get enough. Because you can digest so much content so quickly. Mm-hmm. You don't have to read. It's a lot of visual, video, uh, photos. So I find myself on Instagram more than not. Nice, nice. Now, what's your favorite project you ever worked on? Ooh, that's a good one. So I, I have enjoyed building because I, because I was a scorned 10-year-old. Like, I was so mad that I missed out on the dot-com phase. Mm-hmm going out and picking up all of the premium Instagram handles was my favorite thing to do because I felt like I was making back a lost attempt at at something. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like I made up for missing out on the dot-com boom. Mm, got you, got you. Now, who was the last person you messaged? Uh, my wife. <laughs> now, that's a very important message. I told her, I'm filming a podcast. Don't text me because <laughs> I'm using my phone yeah. and I'll hit you up after. Yeah, I, I tell my girl the same thing. Like, yo, I'm busy. I love you, but I hit you back, right? And it's okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. And last question. Who would you love to work with and why? I don't have a particular person that I want to work with mm-hmm. because I feel like the way that I've got to where I am is not putting people up on a pedestal and also not looking down upon any particular person. I feel like it's a very level playing field and I just like working with people who are smart and creative and like thinking outside the box. 
Hey, what's going on, guys? Tuning back into the episode really quick here. Uh, I hope you all enjoy the episode just as much as I enjoy creating it, uh, especially with Brandon and I as we discuss various topics from his backstory on how he got started as an entrepreneur to growing his brand and being labeled by Forbes as the number one social media influencer in the world, working alongside many regional, national, and global brands. So I hope you found this episode very informative. Uh, you were able to take the principles that was applied within this episode and use it within your business as Brandon truly breaks down what it takes to grow a successful business from start to finish, how to diversify yourself from other brands within your space, and how to capitalize on various platforms like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and many more. So if you enjoy this episode, please feel free to subscribe, share with your loved ones, your friends, leave a rating, leave a review, as well as this will continue to allow me to bring more people like Brandon onto the Level Up Daily podcast and bring you the best advice and knowledge within the industry. And again, I will leave his information down below within this episode. So if you want to reach out to him, you can do so. I will also leave mine down there as well. So if you want to blow up my DMs and Facebook Messenger, you know, and stalk me a little bit, you can too. (laughs) So with that being said, guys, until next time, much love, peace and blessings.